As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Relief line of soft gels. Plus CBD Relief is the ideal way to help promote a healthy inflammatory response. Plus CBD Relief is doctor-formulated with recovery-supporting ingredients, including CBD, CBDA, and Levagen plus PEA. Relief soft gels help address minor everyday soreness, support joint function, and encourage recovery following strenuous activity. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's Relief Soft Gels. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking about a very important new initiative. It's called uh, Regeneration Health International, and it puts together a lot of the themes that we talk about on this program. Uh, natural health, uh, reduced dependency on medications, uh, using food as medicine. Uh, but it all starts with a regenerative uh, agriculture because uh, the condition of our soils, the condition of uh, the plants uh, and the animals that we consume uh, has a direct impact on our health. Our guest is... Uh, actually the initiator of this, uh, who is Michelle Perro. She's known to you as author of What's Making Our Children Sick. We've interviewed her in the past. And uh, so, Michelle, uh, you know, as a pediatrician, uh, do you have concerns for our future generation, you know, as kids grow up? What are some of the problems we're seeing? I'm gravely concerned, Ron. I, I, this is, I think every parent should really take these words to heart. Um, our children are facing an onslaught of chronic diseases. I'm very concerned about the state of the health of our kids. And I would insist on parents really listen to this and heed this is because our rates of chronic disease in children, even since I wrote that book, which is five years ago, has even increased since then. And all diseases are on the rise. And um, we know what's making our children sick. So this idea that we don't know is absolutely a myth. It's environmental toxicants making our kids sick, as we mentioned earlier in this broadcast. And we can go into it individually. And because of my alarm about that, a year ago, I created a global children's environmental health bill of rights that I've been promoting now for a year because I feel um, and believe that our children are under assault. And this is what we have to focus on if we are really interested in protecting our children. And I query as to whether we really do love our children, Ron. It's gotten to that point sometimes as America love her children. Wow. Uh, I mean, in effect, uh, we're committing institutional child abuse uh, by pouring chemicals into our uh, into our soil, into our foods, into our water, uh, and it's having an impact on kids. And I, I think of particular interest is how the microbiome uh, has been damaged 
by what we've been doing. And, and this includes the use, the frequent use of antibiotics. Uh, it's almost, uh, you know, each kid uh, in the United States on average gets an antibiotic every year. Some get more, some get none, but on average, it's about one. Antibiotics, um, even one dose of antibiotic, uh, an antibiotic dose will alter the microbiome. And after a course of antibiotics, the microbiome is dysregulated for up to six months afterwards and may not completely recover. By three years old, um, your microbiome is pretty set. And it's very, you have about a 30, maybe 20, 30% wiggle room to alter it with uh, diet, fermented foods, probiotics, etc. So um, the assault on the microbiome has been part of my concern. And we know the sources of where these, these contaminants are coming from. And they basically come from, there are six areas. They come from our food, our water, our air, experimental drug therapies, EMF, electronic, um, electromagnetic frequencies, um, radio frequencies, uh, dirty electricity, and there are some children who are particularly exposed to e-waste, um, children scavenge for the heavy metals in many third world countries. And if I had to write a seventh one now of the things that I feel are assaulting our children, I might even put Hollywood on there. Right. Um, I think their subliminal messaging for children is horrible. Well, it, Hollywood, but also uh, screen time. Uh, is very devastating for kids' health because uh, kids, uh, I believe the latest statistic is that kids 8 to 12, 4 to 6 hours, uh, you you know, staring at screens. And for adolescents, it's it's around 9 hours. And, th- you know, that precludes normal physical activities. Uh, it makes them sedentary. Uh, and the more time spent on social media, the, the greater likelihood of depression and anxiety. Uh, the, there's no doubt that's true. You're spot on, Ron. And remember that when you watch um, all that screen time, you're, you're, you know, the digital babysitter, um, you get a release of various neurochemicals in your brain, your feel-good chemicals, and they're, they're the addictive neurochemicals like dopamine. So we have a lot of screenagers now who are addicted to their screen time, which has been exacerbated during the lockdown, which is was a failed experiment, in my opinion, and one of the worst things for children was this lockdown, where they were literally prisoners to their screens, and we thought that this was a good idea, we were going to school on screen. I think they'd have been better to go farm and go play in the dirt rather than sit in front of their computers all day. Um, and now we've got a serious addiction issue, not to mention alcohol. During the lockdown, alcohol consumption among teenagers skyrocketed, along with all the health sequelae from overdrinking and all the issues that go along with that. So this was not a benign course of action, and it didn't have a positive outcome. There was no improvement from COVID from the things we subjected children to in the past two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we treated kids like they were typhoid Marys, you know, that were going to propagate the disease. But uh, according to the science, uh, it was really relatively uncommon for children to transmit the disease to grandpa and grandma who were you know, perhaps more vulnerable. And the vast majority of kids experienced relatively uh, modest uh, symptoms. And, you know, they scared us with some statistics showing that, you know, you know some kids, a very small percentage of kids got very sick from COVID. But, you know, I'd like to learn about some of their predisposing factors. You know, what was their level of vitamin D? What was the condition of their microbiome? Uh, what was the level of essential fatty acids in their system? 
were they exposed to lots of environmental toxins that render their immune systems more vulnerable to COVID? Um, that work needs to be done very desperately. Ron, I couldn't agree with you more. I am in full agreement, let it, let it be clear, that there was no assessment, no analysis that our, our, our children are not the same that they were 20 years ago. Um, you're absolutely right. Number one, that children don't transmit the disease to adults. That's a myth. This idea that you cocoon, that means you, you inject children with various therapies to protect adults, is immoral. Well, especially if their risk is greater than their benefit, that is child abuse. So I think that we should just have gotten rid of that idea. And what we, what as you so eloquently stated, children have upregulated immune systems and chronic inflammation from their sad diets, their standard American diet, not to mention dysbiosis, which is an abnormal microbiome. And this is something out off the menu for most pediatricians. Don't aren't familiar with this. This integrative language that we use is about time they got familiar. They need to branch out, learn what we do. We need to share our information, not sit in little separate silos of information, and understand that if they were look even at some of these children, and when you look at their laboratory testing, and if you look at their zonulin levels, if you actually look at their leaky guts, their levels of antibody, their abnormal microbes in their gut, they would be astonished. These kids are sick. And then what do we do? We, we mask them, we lock them down, social isolation, increase depression, anxiety, and then we use experimental genetic, ther- genetic therapies. I question the wisdom of what we're doing to our children just about every single day. Besides, you know, protecting our environment, uh, what are some of the measures that parents, uh, you know, say, couples contemplating pregnancy and raising kids can undertake. And I believe it, it actually starts uh, in utero because I recently read an article that uh, suggests that uh, the taste for healthy foods uh, is formed in utero and can be, uh, uh, can be augmented by uh, breastfeeding by moms who eat healthy diets. So even before the kids are making food choices. And may I enhance what you just said by saying not only are, is that absolutely correct, but by alcohol. Moms who drink in alcohol during pregnancy, their, their newborns have an increased uh, desire for alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that was shown in several studies, both in, both in vitro, in vivo, in mice and humans. So this, so yes, the cultivation begins during pregnancy. And what I, I, what I tell parents all the time, both parents, uh, whatever their con- whatever their makeup looks like is that they need to do a pre-pregnancy clean out before they even think about having a baby. They need to clean up their own microbiome, their own diets, uh, reduce their own stress levels, managing their relationship issues prior. And if it's too late and they haven't done that, well, okay, still not too late, Ron. All we have to do is work on cleaning up our diets and eating well because mom dumps off. They're her heavy metal load and most of her environmental toxins, particularly on the firstborn. So, for example, if mom is not eating well and has a mouthful of silver amal- amalgams, she's going to dump off a significant amount on the first child. And I'm pretty sure that's why there's a higher rate of autism in firstborn um, than subsequent pregnancies. But And that's another issue. So what you want to do is pre-pregnancy clean out, check. Eat well during pregnancy. When I eat well, that means eating organic. Uh, lots of plants, veggies over fruit, a little bit of meat if you eat if you're a carnivore, filtered water, 
and maximize your microbiome, either taking probiotics or eating a lot of fermented foods. And I couldn't say enough about breastfeeding. I am just so horrified by this biomilk. I've lectured on biomilk, this lab-produced breast milk that is funded by Bill Gates and out mm. of these two women, I think they're in Georgia, as a substitute for breast milk. I, do we want to eliminate the feminine? I was like, we need mom. Mm -hmm. Breast milk is not just feeding. There's something that goes on when babies are nursed. The baby's micro, oral microbiota, the germs in baby's mouth, retrograde go into mom and tells mom what baby needs. There's a conversation that happens between mom and the infant at the breast. In, and indeed. so this... It's both, it's so both, this, it's both you know, physical, chemical, biochemical, and emotional... Uh, and it just fosters uh, normal development. And so, you know, so to, to move away from that with this lab-fabricated pseudo-food, pseudo-formula, creating these formula shortages so that parents are driven to these biomilks and, well, gosh, whatever else, I think is, oh, gosh, I don't know. We won't we'll get into it, but not in the benefit of children. I'll leave it at that. We don't have to dig deeper right now. Um and so these, I say, stay away from these fabricated food-like industrial food-like products and stick to what's best for baby, which are organic foods, breast milk, filtered water. And so what do you do uh, with a, a finicky toddler? You know, how do you, uh, in, this is a you know, constant battle. Uh, how do you get kids uh, to accept a wide variety of healthy foods? Uh, and not gravitate towards, uh, you know, some of the supercharged uh, synthetic flavors that are so pervasive in the supermarket aisles and in the fast food eateries. Yes, it can be challenging because you have a window to get kids to experiment. And by toddlerhood, um, they can be really into like three food groups and they all are white food colored. Um, so what you have to do, it can take a child uh, up to 15 times to um, get used to food. So you have to keep reintroducing it, mm -hmm. number one. Number two is what I recommend. So in, so in other words, you know, if you don't succeed at first, try, recipe. try again. Yeah, and, and, and be, yes. you know, be consistent and persistent, but not coerce it because coercion, you know, that, that backfires too, right? But coercion doesn't work. And also to make, you can in, in, include um, play, playing with the foods. You can sing song about, you know, peas, peas, please, and make little songs and little games and, you know, toddlers especially respond really well to that. Also, you can try different combinations. Um, kids like smoothies. So you can start to kind of modulate within a smoothie to get kids to try that, especially when it's in a sippy cup mm -hmm. and the kids don't see the color um, that is green, a lot of green. Um, making a family time inclusive, not on the run in the car or like how so many Americans are eating. We have sit down family time and that's a family, pleasant, harmonious time, not parents fighting, not stress, <laughs> right. not watching fun. over yeah, fight. Exactly. Yeah. Make it fun. And that is where we come together. And please put those gosh darn phones away right, if there are older kids in the family. Um, my own kids would be texting at dinner. I don't know how many times I had to get rid of those phones. Um, underneath the table, and their little thumbs were so fast, I couldn't <laughs> even see them. So, um and so we can do some of those things. Then I tell parents that kids' tastes are way more sensitive than ours. Yes. And they can take things way more um, 
and uh, sharply than we can. So it will take time, but keep at it. Um, and I also say um, there are little tricks you can do. So if you can take veggies, steam them, and then put them in a blender with your child's other favorite foods and slowly introduce the taste a little bit at a time. Um, my favorite was mac and cheese, and I would steam broccoli and get it into cheese sauce. It, was, it, it worked every time. Um, so simple things like that. And you can then, you know, eventually a kid's will. And if you keep it up, their diets will change. What I also tell parents is work within your community at schools, uh, soccer game, uh, classes after school, and agree that you'll bring healthy snacks. So the soccer game, instead of bringing, you know, sugary cupcakes, can we agree to bring some orange slices um, or to the sleepovers or birthday parties in school? to get away from this idea that sweets are treats. Right. And we kind of do that in community. Talk to parents. Everyone has everyone's emails, Ron. Send out a group email like, hey, I, can we all agree? Mm-hmm. And you'll save money, too. Indeed. And, and I think it's something to get away from is, uh, you know, this old notion of, you know, eat your peas and carrots uh, or you won't get dessert. And then dessert is like, you know, like uh, a you know fudge brownie or a hostess Twinkie kind of thing, because uh, you don't want to kind of create a dichotomy between the the foods that you have to eat, you know, that are obligatory versus the treats. I, I think that that's something that uh, messes with kids' food psychology. I try to eliminate that word treat from the diet and from the, from the linguistics, you know, uh, uh, repertoire of all parents is get rid of that idea of treat. Boom. We'll be done with that. And so it, it's not to say that a child should never be able to have an ice cream. I'm not saying that. Yeah. yeah we're but not we food Puritans, get, right? No, absolutely not. But this idea that, that sweets and treats should be in our diet every single day I mean, this is why we had birthday cakes, right? You had a birthday cake once a year on your birthday. <laughs> they weren't really supposed to be eaten every day. So um, I would get rid of junk food closet. I know parents have junk food closets, but all their treats are in like a special closet. All that's got to go. Yeah. So we as parents have to work on ourselves and our own enculturation of what we were brought up with and discard a lot of it. Right. So, so coming back to RHI, Regeneration Health International, this new initiative that yes. you just launched yes. uh, at the beginning of this month, uh, you, what do you hope to accomplish? And, you know, where is it headed? What are some of your goals? So what we hope and what we will put every effort into hopefully succeeding is a solution um forward-thinking way for eaters, consumers, parents, just about everybody, um, in, in language that's friendly and inviting. This is not designed for scientists, okay? Anyone should be able to hopefully read our site. You don't need a PhD to, uh, to teach how we get back to holistic health from farmer to farm, getting away from there's an ill, you need a pill kind of mentality, and regain the terrain that as we heal ourselves, we heal our own bodies, we heal our, our microbiome, we heal the soil. That we do this in collaboration, in community. We call ourselves a collaboratory. And what we're trying to grow is a massive network of assisting each other, no ego, 
all, everything aside, now we're going to work in community ourselves together, all our organizations, to promote this agenda that we get need to get back get back to. Oh, I feel like an old uh, Stephen So song. Get back to the farm, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, it's like we're stuck all over again, Ron. That's where we need to go. Indeed. Well, so you're 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 putting out an invitation to uh, activists, uh, parents, uh, especially moms, not precluding dads, uh, and people who are uh, health professionals as well, and people in the field of uh, agriculture who are interested in uh, promoting uh, more natural techniques of agriculture. Uh, you want to build a broad coalition that uh, really is transformative. Wow, Ron, that, that was so well said, and welcome to our board. Um, that, that, <laughs> that, was so, that was so clear, that was so honest, that is so transparent, and all those three adjectives of what, is what we're embracing, um, how, we, how we accomplish that, and that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, we're all writing in these different buckets of information on our, our website, and we'd like to make this um, that when you read it, it's not overwhelmed, but you say, wow, I can do this. So we just have our introduction up first, and then we're, the content will be um, forthcoming shortly on how you do it. And out of this, um, I will be writing a second book, Making Your Child Well. First book was on sick kids, and now I'm just focused on, on getting them better and keeping them better. And also, I think you have uh, an outreach to... Uh, people in the legal profession, uh, people who are influencers, people who have uh, suasion with uh, legislatures and Congress, uh, and uh, environmental attorneys as well, right? We are. We, do, we absolutely do because, um, as a, friend, a smart friend of mine once said, is Michelle, if you're going to get anything done, you have to go legislatively. And I'm like, oh, darn, okay. So, yes, um, it's creating policy shifts. There's a, um, a big coalition happening, um, a nutrition, um, a governmental nutrition focus happening, I believe, in September that we'd like to be part of. And so we see opportunity there to really shift policy. For example, what I would like to see is organic lunches in children's, in children's schools. Um, children's school lunches are some of the worst disasters, what we're calling uh, lunch, that I, that you can leave. They're getting a big dose of fat, salt, and plastic in their, in their, you know, whatever that is that they're eating, those little chicken nuggets. So there are initiatives that we can do um, via the legislative, legis- legislative process, and we're going to be involved in that action. I think it's happening in, uh, it might be September. Great. I think it's called... Um, it's like the White House Conference on Nutrition, and they're going to have, you can join in by Zoom, and I think it's happening September, and Ron, I can send you the link for your listeners if you're interested. Well, you know, they, it, there's kind of a paradoxical role that government plays here, because on the one hand, government, you know, subsidizes and facilitates, uh, you know, big agriculture and the chemical industry, uh, and, you know, carves out regulations that uh, enable them to pollute the environment uh, and, uh, you know, douse our crops with pesticides and herbicides. But on the other hand, uh, I think there's a growing recognition, at least in, in segments of the government, that we've got a major health crisis on our hands. And it's going to be very important to uh, safeguard our environments, but also to emphasize uh, healthy eating because we, we just won't be able to keep up with the costs of all the degenerative diseases uh, that will 
develop uh, as our uh, population ages and, you know, especially this younger generation has been so exposed to toxins? You know, COVID was a missed opportunity. You know, during this pandemic, there was only one message regarding nutrition from the um, Surgeon General from Florida. Just one, because I've been scanning every day from the CDC, the FDA, um, uh, the World Health Organization. Can we please put out one agenda on how you boost immunity through food? It's totally doable. Nothing. Absolutely zero. Zilch. So we missed. So we obviously get public health messages out there because we did it for COVID, right? Everyone knew about six feet distancing. That public health message got through. Can you imagine, Ron, the possibilities if we did that regarding how to eat, how to get away from, you know, uh, sugary, sugary drinks? Um, and so, you, you know, you're absolutely right. We have to get these, um, lobbying interests, uh, soda companies, et cetera, all the big ags out, out of the government. And that's the only way we're going to be able to do it. But we missed that opportunity. We had a real way that we could have uh, uh, sh- shined the light on on healthy eating. Well, let's hope that through efforts uh, like yours uh, and through the awareness of uh, our audience uh, that we'll get back on track uh, with, uh, you know, a more positive mission uh, and, you know, refocus on, uh, you know, not just uh, high tech drugs and uh, an array of vaccines and, you know, that constitute public health these days, uh, but a, a broader understanding of, of really the fundamentals of public health, which, you know, start with diet, exercise uh, and lifestyle, you know, which is what uh, Regeneration Health International is all about. So go to rhi.bio. And find out all about it and uh, join forces with today's guest, uh, Michelle Perro and uh, a lot of other luminaries who are trying to really undertake a, re- a transformative moment for American health. Yeah, thank you for that, Ron. And, um, and, and, and again, once again, if we can move away from pill for ill medicine and get away from a patriarchal medical system where um, people need feel the need to run to the physician for every bump and bruise, where people we will empower people to regain their own health and take back their health. And that's, you know, and also an objective of what we're trying to do is to empower our eaters to get back to the information that, you know, maybe our grandparents once knew. I'm not sure about our parents. But we, you know, with the Better living through better living through this technology doesn't exist. I think it's better living through your pantry. You know, you are what you eat, or you are what you ate. I should say. So we have to kind of repeat these messages. They're not showing up on Google searches. So it's through um, opportunity like you're giving me to these fabulous podcasts that you do um, to share this information with listeners, and this is how they're going to get it, and this is how we make the change. Well, that absolutely, that really encapsulates it. So uh, thanks very much for your uh, uh, new initiative. Uh, I think it's going to be very successful, and I want to lend it uh, all the support that I can provide and that our audience can offer. I'm sure that uh, you'll get many adherents from today's interview. So it's rhi.bio. Uh, it's a very, very important new focus on ancestral wisdom and returning to the basics. Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Michelle Perro, for joining us. All the best to you uh, as you undertake this kind of a Herculean task. 
Yes, you got me fired up just chatting here with you to go sit and do some more uh, writing right now. I really appreciate this interview and what you do, Ron. So thank you for your contribution. Yeah, indeed. And and ping me when uh, your new book is uh, ready to be released because uh, we want to get the word out probably later this year. Thank you. All the best. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.